thing. Hi, we are live. Um, my name is Josh Essery. I'm the Instructional Technology Facilitator at South Belton Middle School. Uh, I've got a couple teachers with me also at South Belton. They're just down the hallway a bit. And we're just going to have a little discussion today. We're going to talk about digital literacy, why it's important, and maybe some things that uh, we find uh, that it's more important than the others and some struggles uh, teachers may have in the classroom. Uh, before we get started, I've already given, given my introduction, so we're going to go ahead and give introductions to the other people. So whoever talks first, you get to go next. Okay, I'll go. Uh, I am Melissa Steff. I am the theater teacher here at South Belton. Um, and I know teaching with technology, I've done no other. And so most of my lessons and stuff uh, have been designed around having very useful tools that sometimes go awry. And Melissa teaches sixth, seventh, and eighth grade students. Yes. Cool. And Mr. Natalie G. Obalvo, Jr., uh, seventh grade uh, mathematics teacher. Uh, and I've been teaching just long enough where half my career uh, was prior to technology in the classrooms. My first classroom had a chalkboard, and I thought I was cool because I had that ring with a different color chalk on it that I can scrape across the board. Ooh. And I had a high technology room, which meant I had that big TV in the corner that had the VCR built into it. So I didn't have to roll it into the room like some of the other teachers. Uh, that was my high-tech room. Uh, half my career has been in that world, and now half my career has been in this world of a one-to-one -one classroom. Did you have channel one on that TV? Yes, that was our news channel. Ooh, yeah. channel, channel three was the blue screen that showed your VHS tapes. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one, but everybody knows channel one. That was awesome. All right, so we're just going to jump in and talk about digital literacy for a second. Um, it's something that is a, a really big trend. It needs to be a big trend, but not a lot of people are addressing it because if you're not a one-to-one -one environment or your classroom doesn't use technology on a daily basis, it's not really in the forefront of your mind, uh, but it needs to be even if you're not one-to-one because -one uh, students are exposed to technology on phones and tablets and whatever every single day, and responsible use is important. So what I just want to go ahead and open up the floor real fast are um, what are some hurdles you've seen from your kids or struggles that you see from your kids um, when they're working in class or they're just trying to function in class and they don't know some proper use with technology or a proper procedure uh, with technology that's uh, holding them back, distracting them, etc. So um, any, anything you want to throw out there? I think the the hardest part for a lot of our students is when, especially middle schoolers, when they start to feel unsure of themselves, um, if they don't know how to turn something in properly the way that the teacher wants it, whether it's email or into our learning management system, um, some of them, instead of asking for help, will shut down and decide to um, explore their iPad uh, rather than actually turn in the work that they need to do. So this handy-dandy tool that we have can very easily become a distraction if you don't stay on top of it. And I would almost say the teachers, as well as the students, are kind of in the same world. Uh, they're thrown into the fire. Uh, they're given all these devices and kind of expected to know how to use it already. Uh, even if they've had training, and I think that's part of the issues too, uh, students and teachers, we go through all this training on these devices, uh, but a lot of it's kind of like drive-through training. It's too much information too fast. You don't get enough time to process it and try to use it. And because you've been told it, you're kind of expected to know how to use it. And the teachers get thrown into this mix. And sometimes we forget 
our kids have been thrown to that mix too. We expect them to know how to use these things because they've been told it once uh, without having to process and practice it. Uh, and it also doesn't help that our programs, uh, things are constantly changing. There's constantly updates. Six years ago when we started, I, I can't think of one program we started with that we still actually use because uh, they keep on molding and changing. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm going to be in, in mail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just those two. Yeah. Um, and kind of going to what Nat was saying, um, I know Nat and I have talked about this a few times, but, um, you know, it's when you have to keep, re you, don't re you don't revisit it, and that's what makes it hard, and we don't teach our classes like that. You know, when, you know, in any other class like math or theater arts, you you present a topic or a unit and you review it and reteach it and review it and assess it instead of we taught it to you once, so now you remember. So I know that's that's mm -hmm. a struggle and um, and I know that Nat and I and uh, uh, Melissa have also talked about you know just just find that the one thing that you're really good at and just make that thing work really awesome in your classroom. And then you can start building on it after that. But until you're comfortable, it's, there's really no point in adding more stuff. So we kind of veered off. So we're gonna steer back towards the digital literacy thing. Um, so what, what um, I don't say talents or tools, uh, skills, what digital literacy skills do y'all think are most important to help, our, help kids be successful, especially just uh, in, in a classroom with technology? Um, one of the very first things that I address when it comes to technology in my classroom is um, how to communicate and communicate well. We, we do a lot of um, constructive criticism and when students perform, uh, I use Google Docs and the rest of the class fills out a critique, which is really nice because I can give back critiques from 30 students to each kid and I don't have to use paper and I love it. Um, and most teachers can't do that because it's all the writing and the paper. But we have to remind them that they're not just typing into the internet and then it goes away. That whatever they type is going to be read by a human being that has feelings. Um, and we see that all over the internet, social media also, that we are constantly having to teach those kids um, and adults as well, that there are people on the other side of, of the internet and on the other side of those comments. So that's one of the first things that I really address um, is how to communicate with someone well over the internet. Yeah, and that and that is a and that is a big thing is the communication because I mean even before social media and digital communication, I mean middle schoolers are still trying to figure out how to communicate with somebody in front of them, and they'll still talk to somebody in front of them like they're not a real person, and then you mm -hmm. add anonymity to it, or you know some you don't have the accountability because you're not there, and it's three times as worse. It's kind of like when you go into a room, even when you're just out in public, and everybody's heads are down. Yes. They're looking at some kind of device instead of actually talking to the person in front of them. Uh, but even in the classroom, what, what I've noticed as years goes on, there's is there almost a disconnect with some of the kids in that when they send you an email, they don't send you the whole paragraph that they want to say to you. They'll send you four or five emails with just one line in it, kind of like they're sending you a text message. They're not understanding that an email, you can put your whole letter in there without sending me six to seven emails that I have to read all of them, try to figure out what you're trying to say to me, and I don't know which one to reply to. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that efficiency. Uh, I mean, but that's a little thing. Uh, it has gotten better with classroom projects because I remember the first couple of years and we would spend a day teaching them how to use the app before we would even get into the actual academic product. Uh, where, where nowadays I don't really have to do that anymore. I can just kind of say, hey guys, here's three to four apps. Here's the project. You choose which app you want and go. Uh, things have gotten a lot more efficient. And I think it just has to do with society has adapted. When we started six years ago, I would almost argue that we were kind of just a step ahead of maybe where society was with technology and education. So what, what would you, what's, the, what's the biggest thing for you, Nat, that you want to make sure your kids learn and practice concerning digital literacy before they leave your class at the end of the year? Knowing how to research what they've already done. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is not going on Google and just typing in something into a search engine, like literally being able to go back into an app like Apollo and relook at the notes class because they can reuse those in future classes without having to start over from the beginning. And that stuff didn't erase. It's right. still there. Uh, same thing with their homeroom work or things they created in other that they need to realize this stuff carries on with them. They don't need to recreate. Yeah. Um, and you're breaking up just a little bit, Nat, but uh, so if we're switching back and forth, I'm not like trying to shun you off of the camera. <laughs> um, for, for me, the thing that I really like my kids to know is, is how to properly give credit to any information that you use. Because, I mean, kids are going to copy and paste, and they're going to use material. And you can't just go in these days and say, no, you can't copy and paste, and no, you can't use that picture, because there's so much information out there. They need to use it, but they need to know how to use it properly, responsibly, and figure out how to use, and how to find material that is royalty-free, or copyright, or it's not copywritten, and things like that. So that's, that's really big for me, is that they're responsible with... Um, know digital uh, digital use and copyright laws and stuff like that um, so I have a couple more questions um, there's been there's uh, some older some like high schools do this and it really works um, uh, what do y'all think about for digital citizenship uh, just kind of treating the kids um, like like our staff you know and, and just kind of letting them fail with technology and letting them find those hurdles and so like if they just get distracted in their work and they don't ever recover, then they need, they'll figure it out later and they'll start being responsible with it. Um, that, that really works at like a high school level. I've never seen that done at a middle school level, so I was just, I've, I, that's a topic, talking point I like kind of throwing out there. So uh, any thoughts on that? Does that just sound totally crazy to you for middle schoolers? Nat, do you want to go first or do you want me to take this? Sure. I I was just thinking, you know, at some point in the kids' lives, what they sew. Uh, but in order to let them do that, I mean, the teachers have to lead by example. Because I, I would even say in a lot of teacher meetings, wherever you are, whatever school you're in, you know, how many times during the meeting the teacher themselves is off task on whatever device it is. But what? yet in the classroom, they get on the kids' case for doing the same thing. So it, it, it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. Good point. I, I agree. I um, I I like to hold my kids accountable, even my sixth graders. Um, 
but it's a little bit different than with high schoolers because they simply because they are younger. So maybe a few more reminders, but I don't, I don't have a problem with letting my kids trip um, because I want to make sure that they start to learn consequences and being a theater class, um, a lot of great choices that we make on stage come out of kind of what we would consider a failure. Um, so when it comes to kids not doing their work properly or letting themselves get too distracted doing something else, I will gently remind them several times and then if it if that means their grade crashes, grade crashes, their grade crashes, and it's a little bit less, um, it's still not great for them. Um, but the consequences, the stakes aren't quite as high if they do poorly in my class, which is a theater class, than when they do poorly in Nat's class, which is a state-tested math class that if they don't know it, it's got some really, really high consequences. So if a student doesn't do well in a performance, they have to get up in front of the class and they have not used memorization time they were given or rehearsal time that they were given well. Um, it stinks for them because they are going to end up standing in front of their class not knowing what they're doing. And that's kind of a painful lesson and a lot of kids can learn from that. Um, but it's not like they didn't learn a math, you know, math content that they have to have for state testing. Right. So. All right, well, I'm gonna wrap this up so uh, y'all can get a, get on y'all's way. Uh, so the last segment we're gonna do is you're gonna, you have one minute, you're on the clock, one minute each uh, to tell me what is your favorite digital tool that could be an app, it could be a program, it could be a website, we're not doing devices. Okay, let's do programs, apps, websites. You have one minute to tell me what it is, what it does, and if you have time, how you use it, okay? So whoever goes first, your time will start. Do you want to take it or you want me to go? You go. All right, my favorite one for sure, uh, and I, I completely mean this because I'm actually going to do this in about 45 minutes, and it's Apollo uh, because I do all my course notes and the kids can interact with me during our class notes instead of their heads being stuck down in a notebook. But my number one reason for loving it is I have a student who's absent today, and he's going to be absent, but he can log in class from home and participate from home today in my class and not miss a beat. I can call on him. He can write on my board, write on all the students' iPads while he's homesick right now with the stomach bug that mom just told me about a little while ago. So there's no excuses, and even if he didn't log in, in with us today when he comes back to school he doesn't miss because it's all on Apollo for him so that's definitely my favorite one and I've gotten to a point in my classroom where I can't imagine life without it because <laughs> nope. I never want to write on my board again <laughs> not for you and your time's up and that was he was talking about Apollo that's by a company called Atlas learning if you want to look into that all right Melissa your time begins in three two one Okay, it's the end of the semester and we are all trying to get grades in. And right now I absolutely love a website called allforrubrics.com. Um, and it lets you sign up. You can really easily import all of your classes so you're not typing a million names. Kids don't, you can have your kids sign up if you want, um, but it's really easy to import. It's so easy while my kids are performing to just go through that rubric. And I don't have to do any of the math at the end. I can print it all. I can email it back to the students. It's fantastic. Um, 
because it's saving me so much time that before I found it, um, I was doing lots of math and all that. And I teach theater. I don't like math. Um, so it has saved my time um, and my sanity because I can also email the stuff back to the kids. So it's still less paper, which is we are fans of around here. All right. If you will go ahead and tell us that site one more time, a little slower. You do have an extra time here at the end. I do. It's all for rubrics.com. All right. I believe.com might be .net, but it's all for rubrics. Google it. They, I was like, they can just Google it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. Thank you all for joining me. And um, we'll um, try, try this again some other time. Thanks. So thanks. Bye, guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah.